Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Alicot with Keithy here on the North South Connection Podcast Network. I am your host, Keithy Langston, and this is episode three of the podcast. I want to thank you all for listening so far, and I hope you've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed making it. Um, we are going to bring on a very special guest host with us, my co-host for the week. However, before we do that, I do want to kick off with another segment um, that we had, well, not really pre-recorded, but um, I'm recording it right now. And uh, I guess that is because I'm considering calling this show uh, a la carte. And I did explain in the very first episode that this is not a food show. Um, however, since it is called a la carte with Keithy, I think I should give maybe a recipe here and there uh, of my own. And uh, I am not shamelessly promoting anything that I do or I use, any products. But uh, you know what? I am going to shamelessly promote. So what I want to do for you today is I want to give you my recipe for my own risotto. Uh, I know a lot of people who have, uh, especially since the pandemic, uh, have really become kind of a maybe snobby if not if snobby is not the right word and I do apologize I'm not calling you a snob but I know myself have become a bit of a food snob uh, when it comes to uh, what I cook and what I eat and things like that and I know myself uh, risotto is something that uh, Gordon Ramsay has had many has many recipes on I know some of the other great uh, chefs my personal chef that I love is Marco Pierre White. He was kind of the original, the OG, if you will, the original gangster uh, celebrity chef back in the 80s. And um, he has had a recipe out there for risotto. Pretty much every famous celebrity chef has had a recipe for risotto. And it seems to be the standard that you have to mother your, uh, you have to constantly mother your risotto and stay next to it and keep going and make sure that it doesn't uh, it doesn't scorch or it doesn't burn and that things don't go haywire. So what I'd like to do for you today is give you my recipe for risotto, which um, I'm not going to brag, but I am going to brag. And that's going to be that uh, my risotto comes out. It's the friggin' bomb. Okay. So the first thing you have to do is you want to get yourself um, I get the package. It's the Rice Selects Arborio Rice. Uh, it comes in a plastic container. You can find it in pretty much any rice aisle and stop and shop or market basket or wherever you go for your grocery needs. You can order it on Amazon and whatnot. Uh, the other thing you're going to want to make sure you have is you want to have a good chicken stock. Now, if you don't make your own chicken stock, you can buy any in the store. I prefer to use Emeril Lagasse's organic chicken stock. Uh, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it in any store. I like the organic because I try to find uh, as close to organic as you can. And uh, his chicken stock, his beef stock is really good as well. If you want to make French onion soup, perhaps I'll give you that recipe on another episode. But for this now, I'm going to stick with chicken stock. Chicken stock is usually the standard that I use when I'm making uh, risotto. Along with that, you would probably want to make sure you have um, a shallot. Not necessarily, you don't need a shallot, but I like shallots instead of an onion. You can use an onion, you can use a yellow onion, you could use, uh, you could use a white onion if you want. I would stay away from getting like a red onion, but definitely, or a Spanish onion, things like that. I would stay, if get a shallot. Shallots are usually good, it's a lot more mellow. Um, and then you want to have some unsalted butter, some extra virgin olive oil or regular olive oil, whatever you prefer, uh, some garlic and uh, some dry white w wine or just some regular white wine if you have. And then of course, the other ingredient at the end is you wanna have Parmigiano Reggiano. Now, 
you really should grate your own Parmigiano Reggiano, Parmigiano Reggiano. And the reason why is because whenever you buy a prepackaged uh, cheese, whether it's a prepackaged shredded cheese, they usually add, it's called like an anti-caking agent. And it's used to make sure that the, that the cheese doesn't just end up like melding together in the, while it's in the package and shipment. That can um, sometimes either give off a different taste or an odd taste, but it can also... Um, when you when you make pizza, it doesn't stretch as well. When you make pizza in the oven, if you make your own pizza, things like that. So I always prefer freshly grated Parmesan cheese. Like I said, I get a little bougie when I come to cooking nowadays. So I'm just letting you know ahead of time. So the first thing you want to do is you want to throw in your in a pan. Uh, get a heavy saucepan. Um, I use a I use a saucepan. I don't use a, a pot or a you know, you can if you want. Um, I have used like a Dutch oven before, things like that. But um, I have a pretty good heavy, large saucepan that I use and it works out perfectly. Um, so you want to heat that up. You heat the oil and the butter at the time. So you, the recipe calls for two tablespoons of olive oil and two tablespoons of unsalted butter. I, for the most part, just eye it. Um, you just want to get it in there, um, you know, depending on more or less however you like. Uh, I usually probably go on the lighter side when it comes to butter and olive oil just because I also know I'm going to be adding in a lot of chicken broth and, you know, the white wine and things like that. So I know it's not going to be too dry. Um, cut up your, you know, you want to dice up your shallot. You want to mince it if you can. And any video you can watch on YouTube will show you how to properly mince an onion. Um, and it's the same purpose for shallots. It's the same purpose for garlic, mincing them up. But you want to mince them up. I use usually one shallot. The recipe on the back of the box does, or the recipe on the back of the container does say three tablespoons. Again, eye it. Less is more if you want. More is less. However you prefer. It's up to you. And two cloves of garlic. I usually throw three cloves of garlic in. That's just me. Uh, so, you know, do what you will. And you want to go ahead and you want to put that in. You want to saute the shallots and the garlic over medium heat until... Really, it's until it's, it, it, it's until the shallots are tender. Usually, it's until like usually it's either your shallots or your onions are going to be translucent. Once you can really start to see that, once the fragrant, and this is one of the things you'll see a lot of chefs do is they'll wave their hand over the pot and kind of see what they're doing. They're doing it to to get a smell of the of the onion and the garlic and see if it's fragrant. Once that's really fragrant, that's when you're done. Okay, <clears throat> at that point, you're going to want to add in your uh, cup and a half of Oborio rice. So one and a half cups, you know, put that in and then you wanna just mix it around and you wanna really stir it. Um, you wanna get that rice in there with the butter, the oil, the shallots and the garlic. It's gonna saute, it's gonna get uh, coated. The You're gonna start to see the rice become a little bit translucent. It takes about a couple of minutes, two, three minutes, you'll see it start to do that. Once it's done and you could start to hear almost like a singeing in the pan that's when you hit it with the white wine uh, again the recipe the recipes are a guide they're not necessarily to stick to it says a half a cup of dry white wine I usually just take my finger put it kind of in the you know halfway over the mouth of the bottle and I just go around the pan a couple of times and get some white wine in there uh, really what you're doing is you're you're deglazing the bottom of the pan um, to get up all the stuff, the 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 really the cooked on shallots, garlic, and rice, and just spray. You know, you're gonna mix that all in, but you're also allowing the wine to kind of saturate into the rice, and it's gonna add just a little extra flavor. It really does help. Uh, you can, if you don't want to use white wine, you could use a vinegar or something like that. 
just you can always get a bottle of white wine and if you don't have one in your house that's already open you can get the the bottles of white wine that they sell in the grocery store uh in the section where they have like all the balsamic vinegars and the olive oil and stuff they usually have uh, a bottle of marsala or a bottle of sherry just grab one of those bottles of white wine it's fine um <clears throat> once you have that and the wine has been absorbed and everything is kind of cooking this is where you're going to want to start to add in your chicken broth now they tell you to put in hot chicken broth you can if you don't try to have it be at room temperature at the very least you don't necessarily want to do it with cold uh chicken broth from the fridge and the reason being for that is it's just going to take longer and it might mess up the consistency of the risotto once you have it cooked so what i usually do is if i don't have it if I don't have an opportunity to like heat it up beforehand, I just always have like a can like a carton. Chicken broth in the carton will stay for a long time in your in your cupboard. So I usually just have like a box of the, you know, the 32 ounce um, emerald chicken stock is pretty much what you're going to use. You're going to use almost all of it. So I would just say have one of those like in your in your cabinet or in your cupboard and ready to go. Room temperature it's fine, but you want to start off with 1 cup of the broth. And you want to put that in. You're going to probably use, it says four to five. I usually end up using almost four cups, if not the, just the whole box. And that's that's a whole box. 32 ounces is a whole box of, um, of the chicken broth. So you want to do a cup at a time. And really what you do is, and this is where you get the, the, the term for mothering it. Because you really have to consistently stir it for a while. Uh, you put that in. You keep stirring it. You keep stirring it. And one of the ways you can tell it's been fully observed is if you, or fully absorbed, excuse me, is if you take your spatula or you take your, you know, whatever you're stirring with, either a spatula or a rubber spoon, whatever, and you pull it against the bottom of the pan, you're going to see no liquid really left. And once there's no liquid left, it's time to add another cup. You're going to do that until you use four or five cups of chicken broth and all the broth has been absorbed. Once it's done, you're good to go. Uh, this is the time where you should be tasting it uh, because this is pretty much the end of it before you add in the Parmigiano-Reggiano. So you want to add it in for salt, for pepper. Uh, if you want to throw in a little bit more garlic powder at that point. Um, if you were making like a mushroom risotto, this is really the part where you would probably add in the mushrooms. And I can add that in as a as another episode tell you the mushroom risotto because I do like making mushroom risotto. Really the only difference at that point is depending on what mushrooms you want to put in and you could put in as many different kinds as you want if you want to stick with just white you know white button if you want to do baby bell if you want to do portobello you can do whatever you want shiitake I've done it with all different types before and really what you do at that point is you're gonna mostly you're just gonna cook down um, all of your mushrooms that you're going to be adding in um, instead of using chicken stock you might use a vegetable stock because it would just pair better with the mushrooms at the end but you could still use chicken stock and those are really the only differences that I would say and then afterwards this is where you would probably add in your mushrooms that you've kind of sauteed and broken down uh, and then you're going to mix that in all together but after this is after you've had all your chicken broth absorbed into your risotto uh, you want to then add in a half a cup of grated parmesan reggiano again you can put in as much as you want um Half a cup is pretty good as far as, a, you know, a measuring because you don't want it to be too, too cheesy if that's a thing. Because 
it just kind of it can overpower, especially if you're using fresh Parmesan Reggiano. It can it can overpower the the taste of the risotto, and that's you pretty much you remove it from the heat, you stir in the Parmigiano Reggiano, and that's where it's done. It's I mean that's really it. I mean for something that if you watch a cooking show, uh, there's a lot of you know Gordon Ramsay's cooking show. Like when he used to do Hell's Kitchen, it was like a big deal him making the risotto. It's not as complicated, I think, as it as a lot of people think. Cooking at home is really one of the easiest things you can do. I started cooking when I was a teenager, uh, really like a young teen, like maybe even 11 or 12. And it started with just me making like eggs. And I just started making like scrambled eggs. Um, I will admit I still cannot successfully make an omelet. Every time I try to make an omelet, I end up ending, I end up making like an egg scramble. Um, so I just always end up making egg scrambles. But I started with just making eggs and then it moved on to, you know, various things. And I've hosted the last three major holidays that my family has had and I've done all the cooking by myself. So cooking is a passion for me. It's a great uh, it's a great thing to to do to to kind of use as a personal meditation tool almost. And one of the joys that I find a lot is just going through and looking for new recipes and new things to cook. And when I go out to dinner with my family, whenever we eat something, I'll usually look at my nephew and I'll go, "You want me to make this at home?" And he'll go, "Yeah." And that's how we've ended up making. We ended up making coconut shrimp that's better than you'll get in a restaurant. We've ended up making our own chicken parmesan that's better than you get in a restaurant. And really, anytime that I even, if I travel and I go somewhere, I mean, when I came back from Italy, there were a lot of recipes that I started to, you know, figure out how to make and, and things like that. So always give it a chance. I would say if you've never really gone down the road of cooking before, try making a risotto one night if you're going to have, you know, if you're going to grill up some some steak tips or you're going to grill up a steak or even if you're going to make some chicken breast or something like that, something that most people can't mess up if they cook, I would try doing this risotto. Uh, so that is, uh, I guess that would be the a la carte part of the a la carte with Keithy. Um, coming up, we're going to be having our very special guest co-host for today. And uh, I hope you enjoy and I hope you get to make risotto and let me know how yours came out. You know, send me a tweet or a message on Facebook and let me know how it came out. So um, I look forward to hearing from anybody out there in uh, listen land. So thanks for I hope this helps. Thanks for hearing my recipe. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening in. And we are going to bring in our guest co-host today for episode three of a la carte with Keithy. He is one of the founders of the North-South Connection, one of the anchors of all of our podcasting dreams. You can hear him all over the North-South Connection, as well as the Place to Be Nation. I would love to welcome in my very good friend, JT Rosero. How are you today, JT? Oh, I am delightful, Keithy. I'm excited to be here uh, on episode three of A La Carte. And, yes. A La Carte. Uh, a La Carte. And yes, uh, excited to have you here on the North-South Connection, bud. Absolutely. I am thrilled to be doing this. Uh, this is going to be a little different, I feel, uh, than your what you're normally used to. Just a couple of little segments that I have, kind of uh, for some, some goofiness, some laughs, if you will. So the first thing that I want to ask you is uh, mm. our first segment that we're going to be doing is what I like to call Two Truths and a Lie. Mm. Now, I have a couple of truths and a lie. I think I asked you to come up with a couple of truths and a lie. So what I would like to do is have you read off your two truths and a lie, and then I will give you mine, and we will see if we can guess which one is which. Okay. All right. 
here we go. Mm-hmm. Here's my three that you had me. Ta- you tasked me to come up with earlier. I did. Today. Yes. All right. So I went for a specific theme, and they're all things that happened when I was in elementary school. Oh. Okay. So I went like all similar there. To, <laughs> okay. To go w- with a theme. All right. My first one. I attended elementary school with one of the members of The View, the show The View. I don't know if it's still a current member. I'm not up on it. But it was hmm. at one time a prolific member of The View. Uh, second one is, as a kid and in the Rhode Island, Southern Massachusetts area, of course, we all had our local Bozo the Clown. I actually attended a taping and appeared on the show. Oh, oh okay. And my third one is... In fifth grade, we uh, I went to a Catholic school. Me and a friend located, uh, for some reason, out by the preschool, a diaper with shit in it in the play yard, <laughs> and threw it in the open window of a car in the parking oh. lot. Oh no! And got ratted out by someone <laughs> at the parking lot. Okay, all right. Uh, I'm gonna say definitely you throwing a shit-filled diaper is a truth. I am going to say that that actually happened. Um, I did not go to Catholic school, but I was raised Catholic, and I know a lot of Catholic people who went to Catholic school, and that is a very Catholic school thing to do. Um, So I'm going to say that is a truth. And I'm going to say that the Bozo the Clown taping is a truth. And I'll tell you why I think that you're lie is that you went to school with one of the founding members of the or one of the members of the view and i'm gonna say i bet you it's like your wife that went to one of the to school with like one of the members of the view so that's what i'm gonna say is i'm gonna say it's you took a story you twisted it a little bit which i like i respect that Mm -hmm. because i've done that before for a lie um so i'm gonna say that is that the is that the lie well i can tell you that the shit filled diaper is legit Okay. Me and Mike McKenna uh, found the late Mike McKenna, sadly, uh, found a shit filled diaper and put it in the open window of a car, told my cousin, who then told her friend, who then ratted us out. And uh, we had to go and talk to the principal. And I think we got like a day detention or something like that. That's ridiculous. You know, I hope somebody, you know, choked her out with garrot wire for that. You know, rats, you know, whole place is filled with them. Especially in the Catholic setting. Um, Especially in the Providence area. (laughs) (laughs) No bueno for that. Um, I feel bad for that car, whoever it was. I don't take that out. (laughs) uh, But the other two, you are incorrect. I was uh, never on the Bozo show. Uh, I almost said Fundle Bundle, but I figured that would be too obvious. Uh, That's where I was going with it. Michael Scott on Fundle Bundle. Um, (laughs) No, I was never on Bozo, even though it was taped not far from me. I think it was Rehoboth it was taped in, which is like a half hour from where I grew up. Um, yeah. But I did watch regularly as a child. Uh, <laughs> and I went to school with uh, Elizabeth Hasselbeck. Ah, see, I figured it was Elizabeth Hasselbeck, but yeah. I thought it might've been, I thought that's where I thought it was like your wife went to like, really? You went to school with Elizabeth Hasselbeck. Wow. She was a couple years older than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Elizabeth Filarski was her name at the time. And uh, yes, I was actually friends with her brother. We were on the basketball team together. Oh. And I saw him, uh, Kenny, as her brother, at a funeral uh, not, not too long ago, sadly. Tough, no. tough circumstance. But, uh, so we get to catch up a little bit. And I talked to his dad because I didn't see his dad in forever. And I reminded him of one of those core memories that always stays with you. I, uh, in seventh grade, 
I tried out, I had played basketball in sixth grade for the, you know, and this is like Catholic school league. I mean, it's not like that intense, right? Yeah. yeah. But a lot of people tried out in seventh grade and our asshole coach wanted to cut three players. Um, you know, and it, like we weren't carrying 12, you know what I mean? But like, sure. He wanted to cut three and then he was like, oh, maybe we can do an intramural thing or whatever. And I remember Mr. Filarski basically told him to fuck off and <laughs> everyone was making the team because he was the assistant coach and he backed down and we all made the team. Oh, nice. And uh, then I made the team in eighth grade, legit flat out. Oh. So I was happy about that. But um, I never forgot the kindness of Mr. Filarski and I reminded him of it at the at the funeral I saw him at the other day. I was like, I never forgot that moment. Um, so it was really surreal then when Elizabeth made uh, Survivor. I sure. never watched. I didn't watch season one, and I don't think I've watched any of the 750 episodes uh, <laughs> since. But I did watch season two. I was in college, and uh, I watched uh, religiously for her. And then they actually showed her family in one of the episodes where she got to like call home or whatever. Oh or yeah, she got, like right. a video message. Or yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah. However it worked. Uh, so yeah, I got to see them. Oh, that's, and, um, oh, that's cool. You know, I know she kind of think she went off the rails a little bit <laughs> like last now, decade or she, so. But was she already? Elizabeth Hasselback when she was on Survivor? No, no, I think she was Elizabeth Filarski. That was okay. like her breakout thing. Like, yeah, I don't think yeah. she had done anything before that. Yeah, I think I she mean, got the View gig and well, met. she went to college with. Uh, oh yeah, actually, so the, yeah, Tim was it Tim? Oh fuck, maybe you're right. Matt? Is it Tim? No, it's Tim. Yes, Tim Hasselback. Is it Tim? Yeah, and I mean, yeah, they, right, yeah, they, they both went to, went to they went to BC. Yeah, um, uh, that's amazing. I ran before that. You know what? You know what's cool is that uh, my brother and my nephew are like huge. My brother's a huge Survivor fan. He's watched every Survivor, every season, every episode. He remembers, he still remembers like players' names, like his favorite person in the, well, he used to be his favorite person in the whole wide world was uh, Boston Rob. And then um, until he met, um, he met uh, Bob, I forget the guy's last name. He's going to be pissed when he hears this because it's my brother's girlfriend's like brother's father-in-law is like a guy that won survivor and he's from maine yeah and uh, my brother's met him like a bunch of times like they hang out now all the time and the first time my brother met him he was like starstruck because he was like i can't believe it that's survivor bob and, and i went why don't you go up to him and say something he's like i can't i go why he goes i don't know that guy's like a celebrity i go that guy's not a celebrity i go he was on a, he was on a game show and so now they're like best friends like it's, it's oh that's crazy funny. yeah but um the closest but, uh, it looks okay. like she date. It looks like she, they were dating during Survivor. She was still Elizabeth okay. Florsky. Yeah, um, but it's all on her wiki right here. Attended St. Mary's Catholic School. <laughs> so there you go. That's, that's awesome, though. I mean, yeah. the closest I came to having a celebrity at my elementary school was uh, one year. Uh, Wade Boggs's daughter went to my elementary school because uh, there was a luxury apartment complex in Malden. Um, in the Linden area, which is where I grew up, it was called Granada Highlands, and you could, uh, and a lot of the Red Sox players would stay there. And Wade Boggs lived up there with his daughter, yep. and his daughter went to my elementary school for one year. And I remember for the school play that year, she was in it, and they had to escort him out because all the parents were just like hounding them, mobbing them, yeah. And uh, my brother saw him at. He was in line behind him at uh, Johnny's Food Master, which is a local grocery store. And he like pulled on my mother's shirt and was like, Mom, Mom, that's Wade Boggs. And my mother's like, Who? She had no idea. So <laughs> he's getting fried chicken. Yeah, he might have been. Yeah. <laughs> so they looked at for Susan Waldman. So tell them. <laughs> yes. That's like so, my favorite story from Wade Boggs, besides the drinking on the beer, uh, drinking all the beer on the plane. Yeah. Have you heard that one where he like drunkenly showed up to like 
I think it was Michael K's hotel room banging on the door and he th- because he was looking for Susan. <laughs> so I don't know if they had a thing going on or what. Apparently, that's, that's amazing. The the thing about him drinking the beer on the plane is even that's that's it's a great story, but it's made so much better because of the "It's Always Sunny" episodes. Yes. Yep. So it just makes it so much better. I'm trying but, to do the uh, bogs. All um, right, so um, you were never on Bozo the Clown Show. Hmm. No, I was not. That's a disappointment. I would have yeah, liked to. Sorry, have seen buddy. That. I know. All right, I, I well, think uh, you were. You probably thought I was getting ready to pull the tape out, throw it up on YouTube. I was hoping. That's yeah. what I was hoping for. Um, yeah. Um, all right. So here's my two truths. All right. Okay. Uh, first one. I have a small cameo. I'm on screen in the movie Ted 2. Um, I went one for three with a run scored at Fenway Park. And I've been hitting the head with a legit steel chair. Okay. Uh, the steel chair has got to be true. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be true. <laughs> And I'm gonna say, hey. <laughs> I'm gonna say the Fenway is also true because you're trying to mislead me to think you meant for the Red Sox, but it's gonna be some fucking high school or something <laughs> game that you played a Fenway and you went one for three. Uh, I'm gonna say you were not in Ted, even though you sound like Ted. That's my guess. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I was not in Ted. You are correct. Okay. Um, I was not. I mean, I remember when they had the call for because it was on Facebook and it was like looking for heavy set guys in the Boston area. I was like, <laughs> that's the whole town, man. Like, I'm a heavy set guy. <laughs> it's everyone. But I was like, I think I had to work that day. So I was like, ah, shit. But uh, yes, I am. Um, so when I, when I was in high, well, after high school, I was in college. Uh, a friend of mine used to work at Malden Catholic and mm-hmm. we, he used to, uh, they used to have bingos on Tuesday nights and we used to go afterwards at like 10 o'clock and we would clean up and we would, you know, break down the tables and chairs and everything like that and put them all away sweep and you know sweep the gymnasium and everything and uh one night we were there and my brother would come with me and uh it was a great gig it was like a two hours of work we got like 50 bucks it was cash it was awesome and uh one night he said hey keith turn around and i turned around and my brother went to hit me with a chair because this was at the height of the attitude era and uh i pulled a mick foley i didn't put my hand up i just took the full chair shot and it was one of those old school heavy ones yeah. heavy duty like steel chairs from like the 50s and i went oh and i like st- i rattled back i think i even fell like on my ass and my brother goes dude why didn't you put your hand up and i went i, I wanted to sell for you man and i was i think i legit like knocked myself loopy for a couple of minutes there so uh well the next yeah. uh or the first ptb tailgate you attend will uh recreate it because that's usually an ongoing thing i think scott shiflett took some nasty shots i believe logan oh, sure. crossland has taken some nasty shots oh, yeah. at a different tailgate event so you'll you'll fit right in buddy hey i'll give anybody i'll give anybody money if they can pick me up and body slam me and like through a table sure i'll be I all about back problems <laughs> i never <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I, uh, so my brother for the rest of his life can say that he's, yeah, I knocked my brother out with a chair one time. And the, uh, uh, I guess to go back to elementary school in a similar story, yeah, we were at recess and we used to always wrestle, always, recess. always wrestling at recess in like fourth, fifth, sixth grade, whatever, out in the, out in the grass, like losers mm-hmm. while everyone else was doing other stuff. We're like four of us out having wrestling matches. Um, Josh Fonseca got DDT'd. On a rock. Oh yeah, and oh, on a was rock. out cold. Oh, was shit. out cold, uh, and we left him there because we didn't know what to do. Um, he kind of woke up a minute later and, and uh, found his way in. But... Some freaking Ricky Steamboat series yep, situation. Yep, pretty much knocked him cold. Probably yeah. explains a lot of his actions later. But yeah, my, my my friend Bob, my friend Bob, like in September, 
he threw like a, he grabbed like ragweed and you know how like ragweed's just like he, you can pull it out and it's all just in your hand and he threw it in my eyes and he was like mr fuji and he threw it in my eyes and i my eyes like immediately swelled up and i had to go i had to go to the hospital and get like steroids and stuff because i had like an allergic reaction well ragweed's fucking nasty man i'm yeah. allergic to that shit too it's yeah awful. that's 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 what i'm allergic to and I, but i didn't know that at that point and he just pulled it off and he went mr fuji and he threw it at me and i went oh and then it was yeah no that's uh always always recess right? <laughs> always recess and uh yes i did go one for three with a run scored at fenway park it was uh it was actually a softball game uh, that I played for Boston Children's Hospital. I got picked the first year that I was at Children's. I got picked to be on the softball team, and we played like another hospital or something. And uh, it was like the greatest moment of my life was I got to like I got to play left field. I played third base, and I that was it. Like I th- I think I played like left field twice and third base twice, and then I batted I batted three times. I technically say I went two for three. But I got thrown out going to first because I heard somebody say like, oh, you got this. And then I held up and then they threw me out at first. So, but, and my, and, and my brother, one and a half. Was, we'll call it one and a half for three. That's eh, one for three. My brother always goes, you went one for three and you barely <laughs> went one for three. And, um, but it was great because as I was coming around to score my run, my brother's taping it the whole time. And as I'm coming around to score, Marty Walsh is like walking in front of my brother where he's filming. So you don't even get to see me score. <laughs> what an asshole. <laughs> what a dick, right? <laughs> he's going to fuck up the NHL, isn't he? <laughs> yes, big time. So, but I, but I do, I, I can say that. And, you know, and, and that's one of the, that's one of the things too, because my brother's a, he's a bleed, red and bleed, you know, diehard baseball fan, just baseball in general, forget Red Sox, but just baseball in general. So it really burns his ass that I got to play at Fenway and he never did. <laughs> but well, you never know. Nah, you never I... know. Cool. Well, that was two truths and a lie. I hope uh, everybody enjoyed that. It's always good to peel back another layer of the onion for you, JT. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> now, next up, we're gonna do this. is This is great. I and I I spent some good time writing these out. So and coming okay. up with these. So I hope you get these. Um, or, or if you don't, that's okay. But this is called poorly explained history. And the premise is pretty much how it says is I'm going to explain a historical event throughout history and it's world history, not necessarily American history. Um, And you have to see if you can guess what the actual event is. Okay. They're not like deep dive, like off the reservation ones, right? Like Um, barely known. No, one of of them is, I mean, one of them's kind of, but not really. Okay. And if you don't get it, I won't be, I'll, I'll note that as like, okay, this was a little too, you know, mm. too much of a deep dive, but I'll give you the first one. The first one I feel like a bit of a gimme. Um, okay. And <clears> so, I did okay on episode one playing along with the uh, poorly explained movies. So oh, good. I feel like, I feel like okay, oh, I'll do all right on this. We'll see. I hope so. I mean, if you, if you have even a caring glance at history throughout time, you should be okay with this. So I used to always get upset with history because in school, because I feel like you spend so much time and and like the American Revolution through Civil War period, and they sure. like reset that every level you're at. Yep. It's like I was always wanting to get to like more modern stuff. I think I finally did toward the end of high school and into college, but yeah, it's always aggravating and to me. My thing with my thing with history because I I'm a history buff. I was actually a history major in college, and the thing that always bothered me is that it was it, it all depended on who your history teacher was, right? Because 
a lot of people find history very boring because mm -hmm. it's just it's very repetitive with dates and things like that, you know. And like you said, you learn about the revolution every year and it sucks. Right. Like you never end up getting up to anything past. I wanted to, I wanted to get to the Cold War so bad, Keith. Um, everybody wants to get to the Cold War. I feel like that's but you know what the cool th you know the cool thing, huh? No pun intended. But I, what I think is interesting is the the periods in between the wars is like the best part of like history, I feel like, because there's like so much that happens between right. the American Revolution and the Civil War that's like good stuff. You know, for like a history person, it's good stuff. You know, you know? You're like, uh, you, you, know, you get the forgotten stuff in there. You don't spend a lot of time on like the French and Indian War and stuff. No, like that, you yeah. don't. You don't. Nobody talks about the antebellum. That's the whole period of time. War of 1812, you get a little bit. Right. You got to talk about you got to talk about Dolly Madison and her rescuing mm -hmm. the painting of Washington. I mean, is it those are important things going on there? You know, you got to talk about Andrew Jackson and him, you know, campaigning with like bullets inside of him because he had so many duels. I mean, it's a good time. But it was, uh, uh, similar with like religion class, because it was like, oh, I, yeah. you know, I went to Catholic school my entire life through college and you always are kind of in the same time period, like yeah. religion, Bible wise. But right. My senior year. I took a class, senior college, at the very end of the run, I took a class called uh, the Book of uh, No, uh, the the Book of John and Revelation, <laughs> and it covered the the Gospel of John, which is like right toward the end of the Bible, and then the Book of Revelation, which was which was pretty cool actually to, to learn about and like sure you know, talk about all the predictions and what came true. Yeah, we actually we watched the stupid Kirk Cameron movie <laughs> Left Behind. <laughs> Left Behind, uh, yeah, as part of it. Um, <laughs> But it was just different. Like I always liked when you got to different things, yeah, uh, in those types of subjects. Or instead of versus like the, you know, I've heard well, enough I... about Adam and Eve. I've heard enough about the American Revolution. Like I'm good. I'm both. Yeah. Well, I I remember I used to ask I used to ask my Jewish friends that went to like Catholic school, mm -hmm. and I'd say, what did you guys have to do when you were forced to take like religion class? Because it was it was Christian it was Christian it was Christianity right. usually. And they go, well, they kind of like. They didn't really beat it down. <laughs> I was like, oh, so they, they, didn't like, shove, uh, they didn't shove down your throat uh, that yeah, the farcical. Jews killed Jesus. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, they didn't do that whole thing. He's like, no. But I mean, yeah, the, whole, the whole first half of the book is, you know, the Bible is anybody can really read it, you know, and, right. then, and then it starts breaking off. So, but uh, I agree with you. I like I like some of the latter, the latter day stuff, the latter day <laughs> stuff. <laughs> so I think it's more that it's uncovered, you know, but yeah. Yeah. All right. Sure. No, no, no. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Here's the first one. Some dude dies. Countries go insane and kill each other. Another country joins in halfway through, killing a lot of people. That country kills more people than everyone else. That country becomes super popular. All right. Um, I'm going to go World War One. You are correct. Okay. So that was kind of the assassination like... of Archduke Ferdinand. <laughs> Franz Ferdinand. Franz Ferdinand. Yes. <laughs> it's a great take me great, out. Great band. Yes. <laughs> take me out. <laughs> uh, oh, gee, you think that's why they had the song "Take Me Out"? Was that <laughs> why? It might have been. It wouldn't shock oh. me. Okay. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> People think I'm too old to do this job. Well, I'll show them. Hand me my speech. No, my speech, not my jacket. <clears throat> Um. All right, I'm gonna say. I'm trying to think if you were if it's like a this is a, is this a deep cut one? It's not a no. This isn't a deep cut. Okay. This is. I'll give you a hint. This is American history. Yeah. 
Well, I was going to say William Henry Harrison, who got That's sick. That's it. Okay, all right. There you, you go. You got it. That's awesome. There, nice. There you go. Got sick at his inauguration. <laughs> See, I was um, – I've gotten a little weaker in my older age, but I was a presidential buff oh, as a kid. I had okay. four or five president books. Oh, yeah. Um, I could probably do it if I sat here and thought. I could always do the presidents in order as a kid. Um, <laughs> I had my moment to shine at the Warwick Musical Theater. I ran into Bob Backlund, and he used to ask <laughs> kids to name the presidents for an autograph. That's right. And he asked me, and I started doing it, and he fucking walked away. Oh, I don't think he expected me to do it. What a douchebag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I The two books I had were like just like all just like big fun facts. President. Oh yeah, oh, back yeah. when presidents were cool and not divisive like today. Yeah, um, no, I but... I was a huge president buff. Huge. Yeah. I mean, it was it was like the only it was like the only thing I really knew everything about. You right. know, yeah. When I was a kid, um, now it's that in wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> and oddly, one and is a little bit more fake than the other, and I'll let you figure out which. And oddly enough, baseball statistics as well. Like there are times like I'll be sitting here and I'll just be pulling out like. I remember when uh, you know Doug Minkiewicz had a 235 batting average, <laughs> like just some weird shit I pull out. For me, um, it's like 90s NBA playoff series. Exactly. Like I could, right. if I sat here and thought about it, I could probably give you 93 through 98, <laughs> like the series. I mean, yeah. none of us are Peter Winston, that's for sure. Well, no, <laughs> that's that's none great. of us fly that high. No, none of. <laughs> but no, I mean, yeah, there's there's all those certain things. I mean, you should see me. We used to go to trivia night, and every once in a while, one of the trivia questions would be on presidents, and my ex-wife would look at me, and she'd be like, you fucking got this, right? <laughs> Take it on. And I'd go, okay, whatever it is, doesn't matter. And it was always like something weird, like, this president was, he was a cheerleader in college. And I'm like, oh, that was George W. Bush. And she's like, how the fuck do you know that? I'm like, how do you not know that? All right. I uh, Well, this is from someone who ran a wrestling trivia podcast that I used to spend hours meticulously coming up with questions and people would get like three right those like, oh, are what a, these... waste of, what a waste of fucking time <laughs> seriously though i mean i listened to all of them i was on one for a half a minute because i was terrible at it those were the hardest questions body press your luck you were on um yeah i was on one year yeah this is like this is before i was even on with pete so like i was like a nobody <laughs> I oh, think, or like, was it one of the PTB ones? Maybe uh, it PTB oh, it might have been one of the PTB. It was a PTB yeah. one, yeah. I had no idea you were on that. Yeah, no, it was it was the one that it was the year that the only question I got right was the one this person decided to not show up at WrestleMania Seven, and I I knew it was Bob Costas, right? And that was the only question I got. <laughs> and it I felt like million now that you're saying that that you were on. Well, and I felt like such an asshole because I remember like I remember like talking to Pete about it, and he's like, "Yeah, these are hard questions," and I'm like hard questions how fucking hard are they gonna be <laughs> you were like what was the attendance at the friggin' japanese sumo stadium when friggin' earthquake wrestled like what how, do, how am i supposed to know well, look when you're coming up with hundreds of wrestling questions you're gonna go a little bit deep no surface right, level right, but right, yeah, yeah body press your luck we, we did that it was like i spent so much time prepping and then it was just like it was just depressing i'm like god i'm wasting their time because they're not getting it right wasted my own time what am i yeah. doing and it just makes you depressed you're like oh i guess i'll never make that job on jeopardy yeah, or I'm just like I'm a fucking too much of a nerd. Well, but it's good because these are these are questions that you can always torture your kids with on a long car ride, you know. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right, this one's the one that's a deep dive, but I feel like I feel like you may get this. Okay. All right. It's the summer of 1883, and I'm vacationing in Perth, Australia. I hear a sound, but nothing is around me. Oh well, it must be like two thousand miles away. 
Oh, man. Um, 1883. Mm-hmm. There's a couple clues there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough one. Um. This might be a deep dive. Yeah. Say it again. It's in this it's the summer of 1883, and I'm vacationing in Perth, Australia. I hear a sound, but nothing is around me. Oh well, it must be two thousand miles away. And if you get a tap, it's okay. No, let me think for a minute. Okay. We'll let you think. <laughs> I don't want to give too many too much dead air, though. No, 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 that's fine. I can, you know, I just don't want to talk, like, while you're trying to think about this. But right. This is a, this is a good one. You can vamp. It's, it's okay. I can vamp, yes. <laughs> um. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I, I would just be guessing. All right. It's the eruption of Krakatoa. Oh, uh, all right. <laughs> I was like. Sec- Try sound. To... Yeah, God. Well, that was the thing. Is the sound? It was. It was heard like two thousand miles away in Perth, Australia. Like people heard the sound of it erupting. So I was trying was... to think of something like Eiffel Tower related. Wasn't that like eighteen eighties? Sure. Yeah, it was eighteen eighties. Yeah, but I, I knew Paris was not two thousand miles from Australia. So yeah, I... a little bit more than that. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. This one's easy. You you should definitely get this if you from what you previously said. And I'm gonna actually, it's a little bit of a sing-songy, so I'm going to sing it for you. Oh. I'm going down to Dallas, going to have myself a time. I'm going to rent a Lincoln Continental and leave my woes behind. Zero out of ten would not go again. I say that's uh, JFK getting his brains <laughs> yeah. blown out. <laughs> yes, By either the FBI or <laughs> a lone gunman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Either the FBI, <laughs> the CIA, a lone gunman, or the mafia. Mm. Who knows? Um, could have been, for all we know, it could have been uh, Joe DiMaggio. I'm sure he was a little upset that, uh, you know, Marilyn was gone. What do you think? Are you a truther or do you think it was just what it was? Um, uh, you know what? I don't know about that. I mean, it, it seems, it seems weird that they were going to like, that the government was like trying to like trying to kill him mm. for, for whatever the reasons and the rationales that they give. I mean, it could very well have been that there was a few people involved and that like maybe the second or the third, you know, got away with it, which is very much more possible. I think than either a full on conspiracy that the FBI was involved or the CIA. Um, But I mean, when you look at the way that the gun was shot, there's no human, there's no possible way that could have, there's no law of physics. It breaks the laws of physics. So there had to be magic loogie. Yes. Yeah. It is a magic loogie. It had to be, there had to be another person. I just think that that other person got away with it. And you know what? For all we know, there could have been two people planning on killing him that day. Right. <laughs> Maybe they both showed up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. I mean, I feel you know. like the government wouldn't do it that way. Like, I feel like shooting him in front of a bunch of families and his own wife, like, I just don't feel like they would do it that way. I feel like it would have been and, a little more know, accidental, perhaps, you know. And being a history buff, being a presidential buff, knowing that. There have been there were a lot of presidents before him and presidents after him that probably should have been removed. <laughs> yes. I mean, like, let's just put it this way, okay? I'm waiting for the great American movie to be written about Teddy Roosevelt because mm. Teddy Roosevelt 
The reason why they gave Teddy Roosevelt the vice president's job is because he was getting to be too loud and obnoxious on any other position. And right. so they said, you know what? Let's give him the most pointless job that only becomes relevant if something happens to the top it's boss. It's like the uh, Selena Meyer plan. Exactly. And it's exact. It's John Adams said it. He goes, this country believes, like, loves me so much they gave me the most irresponsible, like, you know, pointless job there is. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what it is. It's like, and then they let him run. They let him run the rest of the term, and then they let him run again. I mean, it was just, I mean, so, and if they didn't take him out, there's no way the government took out JFK. I just can't believe it. Yeah, and I tend to, like, I'm on the opposite of all the conspiracy theorists. Like, there's people who believe everything is a grand design, right? Like, yeah, yeah. COVID was, vaccines are made for population decrease. Like, like yeah. all this stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas I go the opposite way. I think everyone is too fucking stupid <laughs> to, like, be the able to thing. coordinate these levels of conspiracies. Like, yeah. that's... That's kind of where I'm at. Like, I feel like we'd have someone in control of the world if someone is really that smart, you know, like, like really in control, like a well, super <laughs> evil villain. Like, well, I think know? my my favorite is the 9-11 conspiracy that the, the towers fell from a detonation. Mm. And I'm going I always think to myself, I go, no, the towers were built by the least highest bidder. With materials that were probably shoddy because it was at a time when there wasn't any, you know, regulations or whatever. And the building probably would have fallen over if there was an earthquake. So I'm pretty sure that it just fell under its own accord. Look, and maybe like the wrestling piece of me, but like I I bring it back to Montreal. right? I just feel like people are either too dumb or too self-involved and selfish to keep these levels of secrets. Oh, you saying like that Bret Hart knew the whole thing? I'm saying the opposite. I think there are people um, that believe it was a work. Yeah. One of them being Kevin Kelly. Um, yeah. I believe it is not a work because there's no way that it wouldn't have come out by now. You have someone like Bret Hart who is so obsessed with his legacy and the way he's looked at it portrayed. Yeah. You have Shawn Michaels coked out of his fucking mind for four years after it happened. Yeah, I know. You got Triple H, who would have known, and like, you know, he would have friggin' said something to someone because he has to take the credit for everything. Uh, you know, Vince, like, I guess if anyone could probably keep it, but I don't know. I feel like it would have come out. Well, at like some that, point. yeah, like that. So you're saying the theory that Brett knew about it, and then Vince wanted him to go to WCW and take down WCW. I don't know if he wanted it to take down WCW. I think it was just an agreement that, like, hey, like, I think the theory is, hey, it wasn't working anymore. You can go get paid and come back in a few years. The the only thing that I dispute with that is, was, but Brett... I don't believe that though. That's right. like the prevailing theory. I right, think it right. was all real. I think but... it was they Vince fucked them and it was like a stupid plan and that's what they did. Oh yeah, no, I mean, and part of that is because I mean, Brett Brett said he came up with the idea for the sharpshooter spot mm-hmm. and and having it be a schmoz or whatever, and then you have. I mean, at the time, Brett is the most – I mean, I don't – the whole thing with the back and forth with the championships, that kind of shit happened all the time. So, right. I mean, WWF got sued. WCW got sued back and forth. It's like, who's to say – again, we're dealing with people that are in the circus industry. <laughs> like, you know, who's to say that they're not going to turn around and do exactly what Vince was afraid of? He didn't yeah. want He didn't want his championship on television at a time when he thought 
his freaking company was about to go under. Yeah, I can see both. Uh, you know, I've, I've done this one ad nauseum. I think Aaron and I went in quite yeah. a bit on Noel's Bard recently when we were doing the greatest title change project. Yeah. But I see both sides. Like, I get Vince's paranoia. Yeah. I think if there's one guy you trust not to do it, it's probably Brett. Yeah. Um, because he is such a fucking mark. Uh, you know, I think the theory would be they agreed. Brett, go get paid. Come back in three years. Yeah. The reason it doesn't happen is because the Owen thing happens. Right. And that's what soured the relationship. I, Not I also, Montreal, but no. I, I don't believe it. I believe it was a harebrained scheme yeah. by Vince who worked himself into a shoot on his own and listening to Triple H and Shawn Michaels who hated Brett. Yeah. Like trying to fuck with him. Yeah. And I that's, think that's, the, that's I, the last thing I was going to say is that there's one person screaming in Vince's ear every 30 seconds and it's Shawn right. Michaels. Yeah, who hated so, Brett at that point and was yeah. drug fueled. I, you know, I think it's again. I, I guess I just tend to, and I'm, I'm not going to get into all the big conspiracy theories, especially the recent years. But I tend to just assume people are just more inept than super genius. I like, I, I don't kind of, I don't see much evidence otherwise. Honestly, no, I kind of agree with you. I think a lot of stuff just happens because it just happens. You well, know, people are dumb and they don't they don't think things through or they yeah. mean well, but they don't. You know, they're stupid or yeah. because people inherently can't get along. You end up making poor decisions because you got to find a middle ground instead of working together. Right. Like, I just think there's that. I, I think people are selfish by nature. I, I just find oh, it yeah. hard to believe that there's a network of people no. like working in unison to no. do these big time things. I don't think there's an Illuminati. I don't. I don't think that there's some. I don't. Oh, there may that... be, but I don't think they're effective. <laughs> like, um, oh, like, like there a... may be a group of people who think they're influencing things, and they're more like the stone such. cutters. Yeah, they act as such, but they're not really <laughs> doing much. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Like you a know. mob. I mean, it's like the mob. I, I, like, you know, Sopranos. I think the Soprano. You know, you and I are obviously both big Sopranos guys. I think one of the cool parts of that is. Just how, when you really watch that show and boil it down, for as vicious and brutal as it is, they're kind of fucking inept. Like, very. L- like, they fuck a lot of things up. Yep. They make a lot of bad decisions. Yep. They could be, you know, the old CM Punk, right? Billionaires, millionaires that should be billionaires, probably. Yep. Um, And it, it to me, like, I apply that theory to most things. Like, <laughs> most things run poorly because the people running it are, like, inept the Peter principle, right? They've gone yeah. a level too high, probably like sure. Tony Soprano probably shouldn't be the boss of a family. He well, that's why, the... that's why there's that great scene where, right. where Sylvia goes, some people are better at being number twos. Well, or, um, Phil, when he says, you know, it's a glorified crew, right? Yeah. Like yeah. that, that Mutadel is number two yeah. or whatever about Bobby Bacala. It's like, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's true. I mean, it is true. Yeah. You look at that point, like Tony over his head, Bobby is your number two way over his head. Yep. Um, you know, so if you kind of apply that theory to most things, I think it holds up that. Sure. I think most people are just over their heads on stuff. Yeah. Now, like there's some that are evil, I think driven by money, et cetera, et cetera. But I think well, for the most think, part. Yeah. No, I think that that's a huge driving factor for most people is money mm-hmm. and greed. I mean, it is. I mean, you know, how many times have you left a job for better money? You know, I mean, it's just. And then you realize I immediately regret this decision. I mean, I've done that several times. So, you know, I mean, it happens. But what are you going to do? You know, this is the world we live in. Conspiracy theories abound. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they do. I just, 
Yeah. I mean, mm. they're entertaining at times, you know, like I like the concept of them, you know, but. Oh, like the moon landing is my favorite. We didn't land on the moon. Really? I love brother... the... Oh, God, God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I was going to say, my brother tried to tell me the moon. I go, shut the fuck up, will you please? <laughs> <laughs> I love the meme that's like CGI in 1996. Yeah, we faked the moon landing. You know, you look at like like what the CGI looked like back then. Like, I know, on, right? <laughs> like, you really think they had that much... <sighs> God, you want to talk about CGI? Go back and watch. Go watch the original Jumanji. How fake all the animals looked. Like, right? There's no way we. Faked and that's them. 30 years after. Right. <laughs> like, but, they, but they didn't land on the moon. Oh, okay. All right. Like I said, I just go. Are you? What are you fucking kidding me? Shut up. That's what I always say. Yeah. Whenever anybody want to believe. I just. Things. I'm trying to think. I don't think there's any conspiracy theory that I really buy into. Chemtrails. You know, to that one. Mm, no. Okay. Chemtrails. <laughs> oh boy. So I have one more poorly explained history. Um, and I want you to get this because I think you will. A sheik dethroned, a country saved, millions cried out, history is made. <laughs> one more one more time. I want to say it's oh. Madison Square Garden, <laughs> January nineteen eighty four. Hulkamania, brother, running wild. Is that it? <laughs> yes, it is. All right, very good. I even had January 24th, 1984. <coughs> Hulkamania begins, brother. All right, I'm glad I got that one. I would have been you embarrassed. I think I did been... okay. I got the ones you thought I'd get. And... Absolutely. No, the Krakatoa was a tough one, and that was something that um, I could even probably... I, see, I don't want to reword it, though, to make it even easier, but... Right, right. Um, if you didn't know it, you didn't know it. That's. Okay. I don't think but I would have gotten that one. Yeah. yeah. No, I know. That's that's okay. I, I, I accept. The... Uh... When I did the Christmas, wrote the Christmas play last year, I had to do, I did the whole stuff of like Jesse Ventura was involved with like, the like trying to get, I think it was yes. like, whatever, Dixie Carter conspiracy. So I actually went through his episodes of conspiracy theory oh, on Wikipedia. Oh. And all those conspiracies in that play are from real episodes yes. of his show. Yeah. No, he's, um, he's friggin' tapped. I don't know what his deal is. Man, I feel like his whole. Life is such a missed opportunity in some ways. Like, I think there's some alt universe where he could have been. I'm going to take it two directions. One is like personal enjoyment, and then one is what he could have done <laughs> for everyone. Um, there's an alt universe where he like comes back to the WWF mm-hmm. in like 1996 or seven, yeah, and is like awesome in the Attitude Era with like Jim Ross or mm-hmm. as like a authority figure. Yeah, like imagine him. As a commissioner against Vince. Sure. That would have been great. Standing up for the wrestlers against the corporation. You know what I mean? Like, that would have been fucking awesome. That would have been awesome. Yeah. And I feel like this, we had like, he's so good as an announcer and we got so little of him. It drives me nuts. Like that. He was just around and could have been doing this stuff. The other thing is, I think there's an alt universe where he is in like either the Trump role or pre Trump, like, and I think we, you know, I think he is one celebrity mm-hmm. that actually could have done the crossover and been effective before he went down like the full crazy man living in Mexico, which I still think he's like right about a lot of stuff. But I feel like there's a lot of people that talk tough as like independence. And I feel like he really was like mm-hmm. if you listen to the stuff he talks about and his insights, he's always kind of on both sides of things like. 
Oh yeah. Some stuff he leans one way, some stuff he leans the other. I think he's smart. He had been in the military. Like, there's no reason he couldn't have been like another Reagan. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not pro or anti-Reagan, whatever. No, no, no. But I know what you're saying. But that, yeah, that concept of like an actor, um, you know, a great talker. Yeah. Captivating. But again, he would have the military background. You know, like him, him in the 2010s. It's like a different world where like that's him. And I think he could have been actually pretty good. It's too late now. Like, I think it's too late now. No, I think if he had had, because I think when he got to Minnesota, he had a good couple of years and then right. things kind of went south. Yeah. And, but he didn't lose re-election. I don't think he just didn't run again. Uh, they probably told him he wasn't going to win. So he's like, well, I'm not going to lose. So I think 04 was his chance. Because sure. he gets that big pop at WrestleMania 20. Mm-hmm. Not to like, I know it's an MSG at a WrestleMania, but no, but like, like when he says it, like, we would put a wrestler in the White House. Well, and... I mean, but I don't think that there's, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of think that, especially in 04, you know, a lot of people were unhappy with the way Bush was running the country. Um, John Kerry was not that solid oh, of a weak. candidate. Yeah, weak character. And I mean, you could have definitely had Jesse in as a third party candidate. Maybe he doesn't win, but maybe he does something to really. Or change. Jesse runs as the fucking Democrat. Jesse could have ran. Yeah, he yeah. could have. I. It would have taken a lot for, and that's where it's funny going back to talking about like the Illuminati and stuff. It it, it goes back to like mm-hmm. the establishment of those of those two major parties. Right. Uh, me being a history buff, the one thing I want is I and I always say this. This is jokingly, obviously, because I don't really want this to happen, but. I think in order for us to get away from the two-party system, we have to have the whole thing collapse and yeah. start over again. Um, I don't want that to happen, but I would love for us to get away from a two-party system because I think I think the party that's missing that, um, and again, not to get too political on this, but I think the party that's missing that could do some damage and yeah. make a change would be one that is conservative without the social aspect. Yeah, fiscally conservative, socially liberal. I think that's the one, which is kind of what a lot of centrist Republicans are now because I think that's where like big business would love to live. Well, cause I think drives it. Yes. And I think that there's a, there's, there's a, there is a contingent out there that thinks I'm okay with capitalism. I'm okay with, you know, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, but I understand that it can't just be black and white and we can't just get rid of every social norm out there and every social program. And I'll be the first, and I'm a bleeding hot liberal. I'm a typical mass hole, and I'm a bleeding heart liberal. And I will tell you right now, the the social systems in this country are broken and need to be fixed. But they need to be fixed, not destroyed and taken away. Right. And that's the biggest difference. And that's the party that I think would win because I don't want to just give a blank check to everybody, but I want to have some accountability. But I can't have no like all accountability or nothing at all. Like it's got to be you got to have some kind of checks and balances and a little bit of gray in the in the black and white picture but and that could be what happens and jesse could have been that guy because i think he thought a lot like that you know um but we'll never get it because now he's a crazy man living in mexico <laughs> and he just comes up a couple times a year right well maybe trump just runs <laughs> with him as his vp as a democrat and everything is different afterwards um yeah I don't know if I don't know if that I don't know if that can happen. I forget. I don't think I don't think Trump could ever be a Democrat at this point. <laughs> well, now, but I meant if he'd done it back then. Yeah, maybe because that was when when Jesse says that, right? Doesn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah, hint Trump... like that would be his running mate or whatever. Oh god, could you imagine? I mean, that imagine would be that would be a hell of an entertaining that would be a hell of an entertaining uh, campaign, though. 
Well, he was, I mean, you know, he was pretty popular at that point. Because when did Apprentice start? Um, I think about that. Well, when was the when was the writer's strike, the last one? Because that's like when all... No, was it before that or was it 08? Was it really 08? Because, uh, I mean, I know that, like, the... I know a lot of the um, reality shows started right. after the writer's strike because they didn't have to write anything. I thought it was, like, 07... Yeah, it's 07, 08. Okay. All right, so that's... Maybe he was already on The Apprentice, maybe. Apprentice but... season one was uh, 2004. Yeah, okay, so he was... Yeah, and that was probably the height of his popularity. Yeah, I'd say over those three or four years there, because he's at the Mania, he's pretty over at the Mania. Um, seen more as like a character at that point. He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, and I'm not trying to make it political one way or the other. Like, I just, <laughs> I've been accused of it enough, and all I've really tried to do is crack jokes about everything. Sure, um, I agree. You know, I don't really care enough. But I think, I do think there's like this whole, like everything potentially changes. You know what I mean? I'm not saying he would have beaten Bush, but um, I think, I think it could have been cool. I think I think there's a world where Jesse yeah. gets more serious. Yeah. About. But oh, they might have kept him out. You know. They, wait, they, but for, they, forget it. If he had two solid turns as a governor, right? Abs or even like one and a half senator. Turns. Yeah, yeah, like one and a half or like whatever. Absolutely. I mean, you know, if he didn't quit, there's no saying that. Um, Al. Uh, this is Broker. Al, Al. No, not Al Roker. Who's the? <laughs> Franken. That was on Saturday Night Live. That was the Al Franken. Yeah, there's no saying that if Al Franken didn't quit right. for something that every other Republican does <laughs> and continues to work, but if he had stayed in there, there's no saying that Al Franken wouldn't have been able to run. Right. He probably. I would have said put him in there instead of Joe Biden this coming electoral season. You think you know? The Rock runs at some point? Um, I. You know what? I would have said yes up until he started to like. Everybody started to like not. I don't know why everybody started to not like The Rock. Mm. Um, it seems like it was that it was all that talk about when when um, not Black Adam was coming out and him saying like he's going to be the savior of the DC EU right. and I don't know. I think everybody just kind of got sick of him. But everyone turns on everyone at some point. Yeah, <laughs> there's very few people that are like loved forever. You know, hey I mean? man, you either you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Yeah, I think, never uh, was a truer statement ever said in any superhero movie. It's even well, better than with great power comes great responsibility. Those are the top two for sure. Yeah. Um, what is Rock's peak? Um, Moana. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe the first Jumanji. No, Moana, because he was still hot when he did Moana. But you know what? I don't. I don't hate him either. I think like. Oh, I'm fine with the that San Andreas movie was goofy, but it was no more friggin' goofy than any of those other stupid world ending movies that they put out. Right. And he's in there with Kala Iguana, which is like, I love her. She's like my favorite. So sure. And Alessandro Diario. Like, come on now. But I mean, the two Jumanji movies are great. Moana is good. I mean, it's a good movie. I didn't hate I don't hate the rock show. It's kind of funny, you know. It's, right. You have to watch it with a grain of salt, though, because all the stories are just How about Ballers? Bonkers. Did you watch Ballers? I did watch Ballers, and I liked Ballers. And that's actually the first time I was like, geez, he really has some chops. Like, he can actually act. You yeah, know? I liked Ballers. I thought it was a good, it was a good, like, dumb. I watched it a lot at the gym. It was, like, good cardio show. <laughs> you know, aimless. They're all it's, working it's, out. It's like I might as well work out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it was like Entourage. I think, yeah. In a way, it's a lazy comparison, but I think it's actually pretty accurate. It was, it was like sports entourage for the most yeah. part. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, I loved uh, 
I loved uh, John David Washington there. The one that's Denzel's son that was like the main, the other yeah, main yeah. character. He was awesome. Yeah, yeah so. it was a good show. I think, you know, this comes down to like, you know, I think there's a a world where you want to In take, like, I'd like to see a shot where like, it's just like a good businessman as president. That's like not into the other shit. You know what I mean? And I think that's what a lot of folks thought they were getting with Trump. And then yeah. everything just got so crazy split on everything. And he went different paths. Yeah. Whatever. But I think like that was like the concept, right? Like this guy's been a successful businessman. He's going to run the country like a business. And that's what we're going to get. Right. So I don't know if rocks that guy, but I do think like they'd be cool to have a world where that's what it is versus some career politician like the concept of what trump was trying to do yeah before everything went crazy right and i and i wouldn't and i would agree with that if the person that is running is you know has a decent mind for whatever the business is like i wouldn't have a problem if bill gates decided to run for president (laughs) you know i mean just because you know he seems like he's been enough of a a businessman and an entrepreneur you know, shit, I wouldn't even care if Mark Cuban ran, you know? I mean, it would be a little odd <laughs> to see Mark Cuban as the president of the United States. But, you know, I mean, take, yeah, like you said, take somebody that's a businessman that's had a, has had a list of successful businesses. and But you can't run the government like a business. And that's the biggest thing is you can't. No, so too much, too much red tape. Yeah, yeah if you're going to come in, I would rather have somebody that's really good at negotiating. Right. And being able to make both sides meet in the middle, which is what happens whenever that happens is when we get shit done in this country. But, you know, we're looking, we're grasping at straws now because we want the rock to come in and lay it. I mean, it would be awesome if he's going to run a like tequila company. But if he ran it, if he walked in that first state of the union, he drops a people's eyebrow on everybody like, oh, like everybody would be clapping. If you smell what President Johnson is cooking. <laughs> it would be our second President Johnson. <laughs> it would be, yes. <laughs> and there's a good chance he won't be talking about his Johnson, <laughs> yes. unlike the first. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I, I think we can uh, – we'll do one more segment because we added a lot of extra jibber-jabber, which is good. Mm. Um, so I want to do this, though, because this is a special one for me. Okay. And this is called What a Lunch. Ah. And the concept of this is really is just I wanted you to give me three people, three people, living or dead, uh, that you would like to have a lunch with and why. And if you have just a group of people that that's the reason, that's fine. If you have three different individual people, that's as fine as well. So I would love to know. And actually, you know what? I'll give you mine first so that we can end okay. with yours. Okay? okay. So my lunch is I'm going to have lunch with George Carlin. Uh, and that's because he is my favorite comedian, and I would love to just sit there and pick his brain on the different eras and styles that he changed, because he changed his style of comedy three or four times throughout his career. And I would love to just sit there and pick his brain and ask him questions and see what he thinks about you know the world today and his thoughts on that. Uh, Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters, uh, mostly because there are a lot of his songs like speak to me like Mm -hmm. kind of in a soul way and i wanted to know and there's a lot of times that i want to know if geez did he mean this when he was writing this and you know is this interpretation that i'm getting kind of on path of what he's doing on page what he's doing and um also i just think the guy is an amazing character every time i've seen anything with him he seems like a great guy to hang out with 
And last is uh, Thomas Jefferson, sucker. Oh. And that's just, um, I, I feel like out of all the American presidents, I think um, even all the founding fathers, even, I think Thomas Jefferson was the most uh, philosophical of them all. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he had, he had amazing ideas and ideology on how government should run, how world should run, how people should act in society and things like that. And I would just love to talk to him and get his ideas on where we're at as a country, where we're at as a world. And if there's things that he would change and how would he change them and what would he do to enact those changes, things like that. So three kind of different reasons, but uh, similar, just three guys. I think we'd have a hell of a lunch. So um, with that, I will leave it up to you. Okay. Well, I'm glad you went that route because I was debating, like, you know, do I do the sentimental? Of course, I don't like my grandparent, you know, stuff like that, right? Sure. That's kind of what I thought about, but I kind of went a different direction, which is kind of where you went with it. So we're going to put that aside. I'm going to say this is a world where it's like people we don't know we're inviting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, again, I went with a theme. Okay. So I tried to think what would be the most entertaining <laughs> lunch. Um, not so much like me trying to learn things. Uh-huh. I like your Jefferson one because like learning about what the world is like and you know the 1700s would be cool. Sure, but I went, <laughs> I went completely different, and it's like I want to have the most absurd, <laughs> entertaining, <laughs> farcical lunch I could possibly have. Oh, I don't boy. even have to talk. I can sit there. And just observe the fucking mania. So it's got to okay. be. Let me see. Is it Bozo the Clown? No, Vince no McMahon <laughs> and, and Jerry Hester. Jarrett. <laughs> yes. Um, no. So this is where I went. Okay. Uh, my first person at lunch is Larry David. Okay. <laughs> oh, there's a drive deep to right because <laughs> it's gonna run. be just absurd. He's gonna <laughs> piss off the waiter. Something's going to happen that's going to give me my own personal Kirby Enthusiasm episode just by having him there. Uh-huh. And, like, I am obsessed with the fact that Kirby Enthusiasm's like, ad-libs because that's anything I've ever done. Like, I hate scripts. I, I mean, I do, we do it for the Christmas play, which is cool, but I like to just ad-lib. Like, everything sure. I've ever done has been ad-lib driven. Even, yeah. like, Even this. Out, like, yeah, every, all, everything's ad-lib. <laughs> um, so, like, I'd, I'd, if I could talk to him in, in between, like, the craziness, I'd want to talk about that. Like, what's that? What's that like? Um, so then I thought, well, who would be like the most absurd person with Larry David? And I went with JB Smoove, Leon. <laughs> and I'm like, imagine having lunch with those two fucking guys. Yes. Like, <laughs> craziness, but also <laughs> like maybe coming up with like awesome ideas for the show, like together, you know, like witnessing that creative juices going. I love when I love when he goes. He talks about having to take a shit. He's like, I had sex once having to take a shit. <laughs> the uh, jackalit, um, <laughs> amazing stuff. Uh, so then I thought, okay, I fucking love watermelon. Larry. So I, I, Joe Pepitone. So I picture, <laughs> I picture Larry comes first, and I get yeah. to talk a little bit about like Curb, and he's kind of being okay. Yep. Leon comes and they get into some stupid conversation <laughs> that goes like crazy and they're coming up with ideas for the show. Then third guest shows up. And this is when all hell breaks loose. And that is Susie Essman. Who plays oh, Susie, Susan Green, Susie Green on <laughs> Curb. And now she gets pissed at something. <sighs> and now it's just like a half hour of Larry, J.B. Smoove, and Susie just like fucking arguing over some stupid you shit. Big, you big four-eyed fuck. <laughs> it's like 
Because I'm like, oh, you know, Jerry Seinfeld, this and that. But I'm like, no, I just want absurd. Like, I just want the most inane lunch possible. And I'm like, these three people. Yeah. Yes, they're characters, but they're really like that. You know, (laughs) my my, Larry David's really neurotic and crazy. JB Smooth is really hilarious and thoughtful. And I've seen Susie do stand up and she's like crazy, too. So I I think my favorite Susie Essman story is. I remember for a brief period of time, do you remember when the TV Guide channel would have Curb Your Enthusiasm on? Yes. And she was on like Maddie in the Morning, which is a very hyper-local Boston radio show. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was on one time because she must have been doing a show up in Boston. So they had her on and they were talking about her show being about Curb being on the TV Guide channel. And she was saying how they all had to come in and do voiceover for their edits. Clean it up. Yeah. Yeah. And she said that everybody was in there for like 20 minutes, half an hour tops. She's like, I was in there for three and a half hours. <laughs> that's, how, <laughs> that's how many times she probably said the word fuck. And they had to redo. You was big it... bald asshole and you four-eyed fuck. Didn't A&E pick up Curb or something too at one point? Like, and they had to do that? They must have, yeah. Or was I that think... Sopranos? I'm thinking. Well, Where Sopranos, Sopr- I think, did... Um... Yeah, because do you remember, like, again, it was, like, during the writer's strike. There was, like, yeah. so much, like, they were looking for stuff, so they started, like, putting on. I remember um, uh, Dexter was on, like, ABC. Mm-hmm. It was, like, the weirdest thing watching Dexter. It was, like, what? Yeah, they had to cut so, it all up. I remember yeah. Sopranos definitely was on one of those. It was, maybe it was Bravo or something. Um, I think it was either Bravo or any. Yeah, it, it definitely was. It was definitely on television, which, I mean, that's just absurd that they would put that on anyway, but, you know. Susie was great in stand up. I went, I saw her Foxwoods. It was her, um, Jeff Garland, and Richard Lewis. Oh, wow. Sets. And they were great. Like, Richard Lewis was fucking hilarious. He was awesome. Um, Jeff was actually the least funny of the three. Yeah, I don't know if he's, is he like even really a stand up or is he more or less he was just like a comedic like too, actor? He was funny, but it was like dry. Yeah. Um, which I don't mind sometimes, but I don't know. Like, Susie was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, Richard Lewis is just iconic. Yeah, uh, he's yeah. the headliner, so that yeah. was really good. But that's funny, though. I mean, I mean, for a minute there, I thought you were going to say Funkhauser, which I, I know been, I do. Which he would have been a thousand percent on board with Funkhauser if you were going to bring back somebody from the dead. But yeah, he was next on my list. If I could add a fourth, I'd, I'd put him in there. Yeah, because he um, was just he, God. That show's so good, though. Well, oh. those are some of the best scenes are when it's Larry, Jeff, Leon, and like Marty yeah. at like a restaurant yeah. or at the golf club. Just like arguing at the fucking table with Richard Lewis in there. Like those are like the best scenes. It's like yeah. those five guys just going at it, you know? Or just yeah. fucking dancing. You know, he's awesome in those scenes with, it, with Oh uh, yeah. No, that's like I mean, that's that's a great show. I didn't realize that that show was mostly ad libbed either. Oh yeah. If they I give didn't a realize loose that. outline and it's it's all like pretty much ad lib. Huh. I didn't realize that. That makes it even funnier for me. Oh, now. it's hilarious. Like that, I mean, that's talent. So, I mean, if there was talent. I know it's not, it's like, what, the spiritual successor to Seinfeld, even though it's not really. Um, I mean, if there was ever a show that was going to come after Seinfeld, I mean, that's it. You know, it's just the only other thing that I like is that, um, because to me, I think Veep is one of the funniest shows of all time as well. I mean, Veep. Well, so that's my question I was going to ask you. I I brought this up to you, I think, when we were together a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, We did the Veep season fin- uh, series finale yes preview yeah i threw out a question at the end and it was rank seinfeld curb and veep oh i think it has to go one two three just like you said 
And the only, but yeah. you know, the only reason I would change it though is because the addition of foul language makes mm-hmm. it that much funnier to me. Yes, but it also, this was the argument we had, and this is why I think we, I think we landed with Seinfeld as one, and that is because, um, and I think Peter was on. I think it was me, Peter, and my buddy Don did that episode, mm-hmm. and we ended up with Seinfeld one because. The degree of difficulty is harder in the constraints of a network setting. True. So it's almost, to me, you could argue it's more impressive that they do what they do with such a legendary show and run to be with the level of edge that they tow right. without being able to swear, without being able to be raunchy, which Veep was a lot of the time. Oh, Veep is the mo- Veep's the most vulgar of the three. Right. So if it's like, anything for just the things that they said about each other, you know? So I think where we ended up, I think what I, I kind of cheated and, and whatever, but I kind of ended up with like, I think Seinfeld's probably the greatest. Mm. I think Curb has the highest highs, but also has the lowest lows of the three. Now I know Seinfeld season one is tough, but I think like there's some bad Curb that just is like awkward to watch and makes it tough. But I think the best Curb episodes are like the best of all of them. Like, yeah, you take a 10 out of 10 Curb and it's I think it's like the most superior of any if you stack ranked all the show's best stuff. I, I yeah. think Veep is the most consistent. Yes. Wow, that's a really good assessment. What is I your think, favorite Curb episode? Oh, my God. Um, I mean, Crazy Eyes my- Killer is still so high. <laughs> I just watched the clip of that the other day. Oh my god! Uh, my, Scarface, Scarface playing twenty four seven. Mine with a bullet is the Palestinian chicken episode. Yeah, that's still great. That's one. That and then the friggin' the vibrating car seat. Yep, yep. That, that whole season is amazing, and that was the bounce back from the Seinfeld season, uh, which I like the Seinfeld season. But I like the Seinfeld season too. It wasn't. It was good. I mean, that's a that Seinfeld episode is a. I would have fucking watched the shit out of that episode. This is what drives me nuts, Keith. I don't, me and Don talk about this all the time. How do you not make that finale of that season an episode of Seinfeld? Exactly. You had everyone there. Just do a Seinfeld episode. Just do the whole episode. And (coughs) what? I mean, I guess they kind of sort of did, but not really. No, not enough. But not enough. Like they should have just did that episode. It was so, it was almost like he, him and Jerry gave everybody what they wanted, which was the Seinfeld reunion. But eh, we're not going to do it the whole way, you know, and that's exactly what it was is like, we're not going to do it the whole way and we're not going to give you all what you want. And so it leaves, get, you, it leaves uh, you wanting yeah. for more. That season does give the iconic um, Funkhauser, your cunt is in the sink uh, <laughs> story with Seinfeld. I'm not sure, though, the hardest I've ever laughed, like one scene. Yeah. May have been when Larry gets together with Loretta. Mm-hmm. At the end of that season with the blacks, yeah, and they do the Christmas like it's the very end of the episode where they figure out they're in love or whatever, yeah. And he does the, the fucking ends with the Christmas card with him and the blacks. <laughs> I was dying. Oh my god, I was in fucking tears. Uh, but that I... that whole season, like, um, <sighs> is is amazing. When with Leon's debut, we joked about yeah. the Jack Litter. That's one of my favorites, the Joe Pepitone. Oh yeah, um, where Jeff friggin jerked off in Larry's house and he's like yeah, yeah I'm an ominous it was me and then like <laughs> um oh god what's his name I'm drawing a blank uh his wife um, oh um 
Oh yeah, uh, Cheryl. Cheryl. So Cheryl, yeah. Cheryl's like, yeah, I know who Anonymous is. <laughs> like, is Ted Danson because like he told everyone he was the Anonymous donor. Um, <laughs> oh, just such an amazing Ted Danson episode. Uh, yeah, no, the, I mean that's yeah, yeah that's uh, there's so many good things that like when they give the they give the book to to, to Ted and Mary. Mm-hmm. That's like the the coffee table. The book freaks. Like, the freaks. Yeah, and, the then, freaks. and then Jeff and Larry are just laughing at the book. <laughs> <laughs> Danson's amazing in that show. Him getting together, yeah. Cheryl's like brilliant. I oh, love yeah. the. Uh, I, I mean, Leon. Is he the best addition to a successful show of all time? Um, yeah. Because you could argue he's the best character the last yeah. like few seasons. Yeah, because yes, because he got better and better as the seasons went on. I mean, I mean, he's just like, the fact that when when everybody when the rest of the blacks leave and he's like. All right, let's go back in the house. Like he just, <laughs> and Larry's like, and you like they play the fucking music, and you, Larry's just looking like, what the fuck is this? Like he's still it's, here. It's so good. Um, it's just so absurd that he lives with them. Um, it is, but and that he just fucking let like he doesn't even have any qualms about it either. Neither one of them. Like they're just like they both accepted it. The last um, season with the boys uh, trying to find the Mary to go on the trip with and everything yeah. that was good. Even they kind of rushed good. the finish, but. Um, uh. You know, it sounds like we got at least one more season coming. Which oh I'm yeah, excited about, I think they're but... filming it right now, actually, which is great because I can't wait. And I mean, it's a show that doesn't have a lot of overhead. Like, I mean, I don't think they really have like a big no. set or anything like that. I mean, you know, they try to do when they try to do. I mean, but everything, God, just now I'm now you got my mind racing back. <laughs> I mean, when he steals the friggin' sneakers at the Holocaust Museum, like, yeah. come on, dude, like that's just so, but. Uh, the thing I love though is that the old. Do you realize like the or do you feel that the older you get, the more you agree with him on everything that he does? Yeah, it's <laughs> one of those things where it's like I wouldn't take can't get out of his own all, way. Him, it's like but, he's you know. right a lot of the time. He just can't get out of his own way. Yeah, and and ends up making it worse. But a lot of the time he's accurate. Like the shit he's saying and doing is right. Yeah, it's just the wrong approach. But yeah, that season I think is overlooked. The one post. Seinfeld, yeah, because I think they took the break after Seinfeld, right? Yeah, um, it was like a few years off, and they come back with that season, which I think is loaded with hits. That's got the um, Rosie O'Donnell, where he's juicing with the Viagra, yeah, yeah, where they're trying to they're dating the same girl, him and Rosie. Is uh, that, that, I think that's the season that they started doing the commercials, and like one of the commercials is like a Batman commercial, and he's like, ah, I'm all set, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, that. That's, that's the uh, one when he goes to New York, right? Isn't that? Yeah, yeah. That season is amazing. Yeah. You, you, you get that episode um, where he meets the old guy in the park to buy the fucking Viagra, like a drug deal. It's so good. <laughs> um, it's got the Michael J. Fox episode. Oh my god, the fucking Michael J. Fox drawing the drawing the fucking Hitler mustache on the on the yep. magazine. I mean, come on, it's so friggin' good. It's so good. You, the Michael J. Fox Parkinson's. is so good. Yeah. Is that the same one too? With the um, the he's dating the woman that has the gay kid. Uh, yes, and he buys him the sewing machine. Yes, and he teaches her how to. Oh, the swastika! Yeah, he does. The he shows him the swastika because he's dry. He's like obsessed yeah. with drawing swastikas on everything. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, that was good. But that also has Mr. Softy, um, mm-hmm. which is the car periscope. Yep. When Susie gets the uh, gets aroused in the fucking car. Yep. Um, and then it also has the Bill Buckner episode, which yeah. is like amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like such <laughs> retribution for that poor guy when he catches the baby. It's like so good. But I love um, that he throws the ball at him and he fucking misses it and it goes out the goes window. Like, yeah. <laughs> Why would you throw this to him, Larry? <laughs> but then he catches the baby and like, yeah, yeah the ba- from the fire. <laughs> so uh, and that's also got the 
domestic abuse survivor where Larry Larry's in the survivors group and all that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that season's epic. The New York season yeah. is so good. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, that was a great, that was, it is, it's a great show. I mean, it yeah. really is. It's, it's, you're probably right where you could take a 10 out of 10, put it up against the, I mean, what's the best episode of Seinfeld? Is it the garage or is it the bet? I mean, um, probably the contest. Yeah. You get the marine biologist. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I like the garage, but I don't think it's like one of my top. Um. Yeah, I think marine biologist in the contest probably. Yeah, marine biologist. That's that's up there. Um, the contest, the one where Kramer cooks himself with the butter is. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> if anything, it's just for the. Uh, hey, who's ready to laugh? And then oh, just... the out. I'm pulling up a list now. The outing is up there. That's yep. where. No, oh, yeah. She thinks you're gay. Yep. Um, the Hamptons is on this list. That's a good one. The opposite, puffy shirt. Mm. Uh, Keith Hernandez. Oh, yeah. The Keith Hernandez ones are good. Yeah. That's the, yeah. But I mean, I, again, like you're taking, you're taking those. They're not even it, close to the best curve. No, I mean, and I'm telling you, that friggin', that Palestinian chicken episode is like my favorite friggin' episode. It's so funny. You know, it's so funny when Funkhauser comes in and they're having sex and he just like he's looking up and the, the camera's closing in on that face and he's just like, oh, it's so freaking good. It's just such a good. It's so good. It's so good. But I mean, yeah, you have when um, when he's in the middle seat on the plane and the woman doesn't want to leave. Oh, yeah. And Larry's like flying back. Yeah. And then, of course, when the guy at the end is uh, well, the guy is investigating him on the fatwa. And then he goes back. He goes through all of Larry's history. <laughs> yes. So you would say your vagina was big. <laughs> like it's <laughs> it's so good. And so. then even just the concept of the last season with young Larry, yeah, is like so absurd. And then when I mean, God, we didn't even talk about the friggin' um, uh, spite spite shop spite store the coffee oh, the shop. Sto- oh. I mean, oh. that's a whole amazing season. I and mean, we're not a- even talking about the early seasons. <laughs> That's a thing. The spite store is the thing that happens in real life. Yes. You know, but I mean, I loved how <laughs> the whole store burns down because of the because of the oversized penis uh, yep. hitting all the all the uh, hand, hand sanitizer. <laughs> it's, it's, total, it's a total fucking Larry David friggin problem. I love it. Yeah, uh, we, like I said, we didn't even talk about like the early ep- like there's so many. I actually have early. I have a coffee mug that says Latte Larry's on it. Oh, beautiful! Because <laughs> I'm, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because isn't that that's the one? Too, that, that's the season where he's got um, he's got John Hand following him around. Yes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's so the friggin' good. Uh, young. I mean, um, the weatherman's tip is great. Where? Uh, oh yeah. Yep. Yep. He, he wants a golf tip from the weatherman and all that. Yep. Oh, that's a, yeah, yep. so many, so, so many, many good, good so many good friggin' shows. Oh, I love when he's coming back on the flight with the friggin' coffee beans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And he lets them all, they all leave, and he's sitting there with just the fucking bag of the beans. <laughs> we didn't even talk about the uh, the friggin' one with the hooker. Oh, yeah. That Where saved the get... man's life. Yeah, saved the guy's life. life. <laughs> yep, because he was in the episode. With the... He's in the episode behind him in the friggin' baseball game. <laughs> That's a oh, man. Too. Such a good show. Oh, God. Yeah, we could talk about this all night. But yeah. uh, I think um, I think you're running out of time. <laughs> I feel I like, but, right? but looking at the best looking at the best Seinfelds is well I, I stand it. by my statement. I think I think Seinfeld, you could argue, is the most impressive. Yeah. Because of what they did. 
Curb to me definitely has the highest peaks. I think those episodes that we named are like, you know, Mm -hmm. you might have like six or seven curbs before you even get to the first Seinfeld. um, If you're stack ranking, but also again, like a bad curb can be rough. Um, And then Veeps, you know, we didn't even talk about Veep, but it's fine. The consistent, the consistency of Veep every episode. Yeah. It's just a killer. Yeah. And the ensemble of Veep is amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. And you you hit the nail though on the head. You said like consistency with Veep and the high highs. And then Seinfeld is just the, the constraints that they had with network television made it that much better as a show because oh, yeah, it was to... more culturally significant. Like I think you say Seinfeld's probably the most successful of the three. Um when you look at what they yeah, do on network TV. But also based off of that, I it's it, I mean, it has rewatchability value for fans of the show and, mm-hmm. and even new people. Cause I know, like, Oh yeah. My nephew started watching it. Like when they, cause they have it on comedy central and he watches it a lot mm-hmm. on the weekends and stuff, but it is very dated. Cause there's a lot of dated stuff in there. Um, but you know what? In 20 years, curb and veep will be dated. So I oh, guess early we'll... curbs already dated. I mean, if yeah. you watch the first few seasons of curb, like it already, yeah. I mean, the first curb season was like 99, 2000. I mean, that's yeah. yeah. You I know, mean that and the Sopranos were like yeah it's, the same it's, time. it's 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 as dated as, as the Sopranos it's as dated as Friends it's as dated as any show that you watch it's just you know but um but no I mean it's overall it's that's why I say it's hard to it's hard to debate what the number one show is mm-hmm. of all time because it's Seinfeld I mean that's there is no debate it's the greatest sitcom ever made I mean and. You can maybe, I mean, you can start having discussions at two for two and three and whatever, but I mean, it, it, I feel like with any list, most people will say Seinfeld is the George Washington on the Mount, on the Mount Rushmore. And then it's all opinion because you have people who say, well, you know, the Simpsons is better and you know, there's longevity for that. And there's people that say that the office is on that list. And then there's people that go back to like Archie Bunker and you know, all that and yeah, they all have their. It's all opinion based after that. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got Parks and Rec, Thirty Rock, sure. like start to seep in. I mean, Office is interesting. I think Office is. Office I'm not. Is I'm, not yeah. I'm not an off. I mean, I'm an Office fan, but I'm not an Office is the greatest of all time. No, I'm the same. But yeah. I do think again, you could argue the highs of the Office are up there with any highs mm. of anything, See, like the best I, Office episode. Yeah. Yeah, all right. I'll give you that, but there's not a lot, in my opinion. There's not a lot, and uh, there's yeah. there's way too many cringy episodes. It depends people, what you're into. You know, some what I mean, like say cringy seasons. Yeah. No, no, the, no. Because I'm not saying like the like the dinner. The, right. the dinner's one of the best episodes for the right. fact that they made it so cringy. No, you know, that and Scott's tots like my favorite, and they're both the most like. Oh, see, episodes. I can't see. I can't do Scott's tots because it's just like. Oh, it's so awful. <sighs> the um. But then I think like Parks and Rec is like the Veep to Office, where yeah. <laughs> I think the highs, like like the high Parks, I couldn't even sit here and tell you the best Parks and Rec episodes. No, because to me it's like one consistently great yes. story. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So I feel like you're not Ooh. thinking, oh, what are the highs of Parks and Rec? This I, is I don't even know. Ooh, this is good. I, I can't wait to get your comments on uh, your thoughts on Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. <laughs> Oh, that's a whole nother episode. It's a whole nother episode. I did do a Jenny position. Uh, you heard about Pluto breaking bad recently. Um, 
that should be in the archives here at No Cell Connection. Mm. We did the one where Mike Mike gets killed by. Uh, oh yeah, sorry, spoiler. No, spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, I love Better Call Saul. I'm actually a Better Call Saul truther. Uh, I think yeah. I like it better. Really? Yeah. Um. Okay. I can see it. I mean, I can see it because it is it because they. You know why? Because they got to, you got to really delve into mm-hmm. three of the really awesome side characters from the original show. But here's the thing. Saul isn't a side character to me. He is the character of the entire universe because when you watch both of those shows, nothing – he's right in the finale of Better Call. Like none of it happens without him, and he's right. central to all of it. You know, Every piece of it is built right, around but him. When you're watching Breaking Bad – No, I know. But if he's... you know the whole story at, at oh, the yeah. end, if you were to watch it now, yeah, you'd know like, okay, Saul's the straw. Well, that that's like saying drink. that, you know – if you watch the first three Star Wars, it's all about Luke Skywalker. Then you watch the sequels, the prequels, and you realize it's all about Anakin Skywalker. That's really about Vader. But with, right. with Saul, like, when you watch the prequel, you realize, like, there's no Gus, really, probably mm. without Saul, you know, and all that. So Hey, when I did uh, when I did Making Mount Rushmore on the Place to Be Nation uh, pop feed, we did, uh, I did, one of my, we did, like, TV couples and movie couples. One of my TV couples was Jimmy slash Saul and... Uh, Oh, Kim, is Kim, amazing. Kim Wexler, because I said Kim's friggin' awesome. Kim's the goat. Oh, uh, those yeah. last few episodes of the yeah. final Saul yeah. season, she is like a tour de force. That yeah. whole season, really. The, uh, I think why I'm pulled more to Saul too is I, I didn't, I didn't see any Breaking Bad live. I watched it all after. Yeah. Um, where Saul, I watched the last like three seasons live. I caught up to everything. Oh yeah, yeah. So I think I just have more. Yeah, emotions tied up like in the weekly weight, the year sure. weight between seasons. Um, watching it all play out, I I was almost like that. I caught up. I was all the way caught up to the last season of Breaking Bad. Okay. So I watched the last season live, and then I watched every Saw live. And I mean, I feel like Michael McKeon. He should have won mm-hmm. Emmy after Emmy for his. I mean, that character of Chuck was so friggin' good. Ah, uh, just I mean. And you that's really a... gotta stay with it. There are people that are like, oh, it was boring. I'm like, no. I'm oh like, my god, not this at all. all matters because no, everything, everything that did. happens yes. is what makes him become Saul, and it's all because of Chuck. It's you the... could argue Chuck is the most important person in the Breaking Bad universe because yeah, yeah. if he wasn't such a piece of shit to Jimmy, yeah, he never becomes Saul, and no, you know, never enables Walter, and it never goes from there. I think, I think, <coughs> the, I think the best, the best scene is that one in the court where he. Or not the court, but it's the the hearing for um, Jimmy's yeah. license, and he, Where he makes and he him goes, think he's going crazy or whatever. Yeah, and he and then he goes on the rant. And he's like, "Couldn't be Jimmy, not our Jimmy." <laughs> and then he's like, "I knew it was him." <laughs> and he just yeah. and then he just looks, and you see not only do you see the 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 board like just completely like dejected looking at Chuck, and then you right. see Howard, and you go, "Oh," and you see Howard just like kind of shake his head, going, "Shit." He is a crazy man. <laughs> Poor Howard is like the purest soul in that whole universe. I know. I don't know why they. I don't know why they screwed him over so bad. And then, I think they needed to because I think it, and like they needed a breaking point to get to. So, like going into it, did you think Kim was dead? Yes. By the way, you would you would have labeled spoilers all over this thing. I know. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because okay. there's no way. There is no way. No, I mean, because you're you're talking about a prequel to a show that already happened. Right. So you, you thought know... you thought that she was going to get killed in that last season. Yeah, and I figured as soon and as soon as uh, Lalo shows up, I'm like, she's dead. 
Right. And then that's not what happens. And you're like, what? <laughs> See, I didn't think she was dead. Because when you watch Better Call Saul play out, mm-hmm. her dying would have completely destroyed Jimmy Saul. And yeah. there's no way he's able to fake what he becomes if she's dead. But the only thing that keeps him going is Saul is that there's some chance perhaps he can get back with Kim in the end. Mm. So that's why as that season went on, I'm like, I don't think she's dead because hmm. that's, you know, okay. I, I, just, a, I just don't that's see, a good, that's a good I don't take. see how Saul could be the way he was in Breaking Bad if she's dead. Sure. That's a good take. I like that. Cause I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, or uh, the take that you have, which is that he wants to get back with her at the end. Mm-hmm. Cause I look at it as she leaves him and he's like, fine. Like that's the final fuck you. And now he's. Saul yeah, but Goodman. he didn't want to, he did it because he buried. Yeah. He, he buried, buried, Jimmy, it. buried Jimmy McGill. Yeah. But he buries his feelings for her. Yeah. And acts tough. Again, yeah. I think that whole thing goes differently if she's dead. No, yeah. or I think if he just spoke his mind and didn't find mm. all this move on when he didn't really want to move on. And that's, yeah, he does all that to prove he can still be the mm. greatest lawyer of all time. But at the heart of it, like, that's all he really cared about. He would have given that all up if Kim would have came back. Yeah. And he wanted to. I mean, and hence, look what happens in the finale. He wanted to give up the grifting. He wanted to do a law firm with her. That was yeah. the whole goal. That was his goal. But I mean, and, like, look what happens yeah. in the end. Like, he's ready to go in there. He's got this sweet cupcake deal. Like, he's got the greatest right. deal of all time. And he comes in, he sees her, and he immediately changes and confesses to everything. Yeah, that's the only way he can be at peace is to. Yeah. And you know him. He he owned that prison. Like, Absolutely. He's the king of that prison. Yeah, he's the. I, I was just talking about that with a friend of mine the other day about how, like, he's on the bus and. They're all going Saul. It's all Saul Goodman, you know, like and just mm-hmm. he knew he was he was set because probably half, if not more than half of the prison in there, he probably got them out of trouble before, yep. you know. And so yeah, he's a legend. I think he realizes that he's going to be a legend. Yeah. And he can clear his conscience. And and, and she's coming to visit him. <laughs> right. And he can be the king like he can. Yeah. He yeah. It, it was all. me. Take the credit. I yeah. was me. He had um, it all. Yeah. And I mean, he's probably going to get. You know, I, I think in that if we wanted to one of the other segments I do is the day after the day after right. tomorrow. It's like we could talk about what happens after Saul gets out of prison because yeah. he'll get out of prison one day. Right. You know, and what happens? Does he end up just going back and living with Kim at that uh, <laughs> and working at the water filtration? Oh, plant? God. That's like the saddest scene in the whole show. <laughs> Isn't anyone dying? It's when she's having sex with that fucking guy. Yeah. It's like, all right, all right. Or whatever else I'm saying. It's like so fucking sad. Um, it's that that and then the scene where he gets locked in like the back where the trash is in the fucking mall. Yes. It's like, oh come on, man. Oh, that sucks. Uh well, this has been this has been awesome. I hope you had a great time. I hope you had a good time. I, I, I did, buddy. Did. I did. I, so, we need to talk about succession. I forget. You a succession guy? Oh yeah, we have to talk about well, I'm I'm still I'm watching I'm 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 getting caught up on this season. Okay, yeah. So uh, I sped through. I started this might be the quickest I've gone through a show because it usually takes me a while because I watch just like at the gym and stuff, but yeah. I, I took advantage of a few flights and like flew through it because I okay. wanted to really watch Yeah. Last season, oh, the last season yeah. live, you have so, to, yeah, yeah. So I plowed through the first, like second and third. Um, so are you caught up on this season? 
I am live. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm. I think we just watched the because my brother and I watch it. We call it the fuck off show. Yeah. Uh, we try to count how many times they say fuck off on fuck it. Off. Uh, I think we're like three episodes in. Okay. So should, well, so there's two left as of the time we're recording this. Okay. Oh, really? Wow. And this is it, right? This is it. Like Kenny Loggins once said. <laughs> like Kenny Loggins. <laughs> um. Yeah. No, that's another great show too. I mean, HBO doesn't fuck around with their shows, man. Did you watch like House of Dragons and you know? No, I never got into Game of Thrones. Um, maybe eventually. I am doing Barry now. I know you're a Barry guy. Oh, I uh, love Barry. I'm on season. It. I'm on season one, episode seven. Yeah, Barry's so good, so good. So I got a ways to go on that. Still, yeah, but... that's yeah. When you get done with Barry, you and I talk because okay. God, that's a that's a show you look at and you go, that's the guy that fucking did impressions on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> like you don't even realize like how right. talented of an actor Bill Hader is, mm-hmm. and then you watch that and you're like, holy shit. Yeah, like, I mean it's been really good so far. I've definitely enjoyed it. Oh yeah. Um, you know, these are, but this is, I just watch a lot during cardio. Like, so I try and get, that's why I've gone through all these shows. I got through, um, Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. Saul, all the Netflix Marvel shows, like all the MCU. Cause I never watched any of those live. I didn't get into comic <laughs> stuff till later. So like, I'm always looking for new stuff to like do. So that's a lot of stuff that you're watching. How much cardio are you doing? <laughs> no, not enough, but. That's... You doing leg? Are you making sure you get leg day in? You got to get I leg do. day in. I do leg day, but yeah, that, I mean, it gets me through doing cardio. It's like watching these episodes. Like, sure, I was when I was doing Breaking Bad, I could not wait to get back to the fucking gym. I'm like, I gotta go. I'm going to the gym again today. I'm gonna go no, watch like, another when you, episode. When you're watching it, like, what are you? Are you running on a treadmill? Or are you sitting on like a uh, bike? elliptical? Usually elliptical. elliptical yeah, oh, I watch cool. on my phone on the elliptical. Yeah, unless it's yeah. like something big. Like, I made sure I watched Endgame at home on TV when I got to that. Um. Uh, yeah. Breaking Bad finale. I made sure I watched it at home, like on the big screen. So, isn't the oh, the finale so good? Yes. All right. We're oh. gonna get sidetracked again. Yeah. I know. All right. Well, on that note, I will say, um, uh, JT, would you like to plug anything? Uh, just check out everything in Northside Connection. Um, NorthsideConnection.com is our website that kind of we post everything at. But if you go to YouTube and search Northside Connection, subscribes there. We have a lot of video content. Um, and then here on this, if you listen to this, you're obviously at least subscribed or checking out our audio feed. So mm-hmm. a lot of the shows we do, we simulcast audio and video, but there is stuff that's like this show that's only audio. And then there's some stuff we do that's only video. So I would just say subscribe to both or just follow us on social media, Twitter, uh, North South Connection. We're on Facebook, uh, TikTok, Instagram. So we're kind of everywhere. Just follow us somewhere and you'll get the most up-to-date info um, out there. If you go to our Twitter, we have a link tree that will link you to everything as well. So Sweet. Well, and uh, everybody can hear me on, obviously, on this, a la carte, on the North-South Connection. You can also hear me on uh, Greetings from Allentown, GFA Live, with my good friend Petey, my BFF in the whole wide world. Uh, you can also hear me pretty regularly on the Place to Be Nation pop feed on the pop video jukebox song of the day. And I'm all over the North-South Connection, actually. You didn't do you know, the Jenny position or hear about Pluto and Cronoso Monthly. And I show up on time to time from everything that you can, so... And you can always check me out on Twitter at Flounder824. And, uh, but thank you so much for listening in today. Thank you, Justin, for joining me. And uh, everybody have a great day, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Oh, fuck off. Ah, fuck off, will you?